Welcome to the Insider Outsider Podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders around the globe about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WMFDP and FDP Global specialize in helping insiders understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders, as well as outsiders, in partnering and building inclusive teams and organizations. I'm your host, Michael Welp, co-founder of the diversity and inclusion leadership development firm WMFDP and FDP Global, also a TEDx presenter and author of the book, Four Days to Change. Welcome to another episode of the Insider Outsider Podcast. I've got a really special guest with me this week, Ntabalane Zulu. Ntabalane and I go way back, really 31 years ago, uh, back to before we started WMFDP or Full Partners Global. We, we, I, I had that year where I worked in South Africa and Lesotho facilitating interracial team building and uh, that was that time that I recognized the similarities between myself as a white man in the U.S. and the white men in South Africa, which compelled me to work and start the company um, and do this work with white men around the U.S. And um, so the roots were today we're exploring the roots of that. Of, of And one of them is my um, really special friendship and partnership with Ntabalane. Uh, that we were kind of thrown in it together, went back in Lesotho when, when I showed up and he, he started working there. So, and Tabalane, welcome today. Why don't you, uh, he's coming from Welcome in uh, Orange Free State in South Africa, right? Is that where you are right now? Yeah, that's correct, Mike. Yes, I'm in South Africa in a small town called Welcome. It is in the Free State. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to, to join, you know, your efforts in order to, uh, you know, search for your roots, for the root of where, you know, WFPD started from. Yeah. <clears throat> Why don't you give a little bit of your background uh, in Tabulane? I know, but even before we worked 30 years ago, I think you were trained as a pilot and you've had an interesting career path. Um, anything you want to say about your background? Give folks a little picture of who you are. Okay, yes, happy to do that, Mike. Yeah, I was born, uh, bred, and you can say baptized in Lesotho. In other words, I attended school and did university in Lesotho. Yes, I did, uh, you know, go into Germany, you know, to train as a pilot. And uh, that was uh, in the years 1983 to 85. Part of my training took me to, you know, you know Arizona in the in the United States. And uh, uh, I came back to Lesotho in 1985, uh, did a bit of teaching, but you know, eventually ended up in South Africa in 1987, worked on a gold mine. Uh, and that went as far as 1990. 1990, I went back to Lesotho and I was fortunate to attend a, a course at um, at Autobahn Lesotho, and I was selected from you know the attendees there to to be a, an instructor, and that is uh, basically how my you know my journey with Autobahn started. Mm. Uh, in 1990, and um, then you know <laughs> we are going to explore a 
what happened after I started training. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there, there, in our paths crossed in uh, 1990. So you were just starting when I arrived in September, um, September of 1990, which was what for the six months after Nelson Mandela's release. Um, yeah. Was, it, was that an exciting time for you? A lot changing in South Africa. Yes, Mike, you are taking me back, and also you are also. Uh, reminding me of a number of things. Uh, Nelson Mandela had been released in February, 11th February, 1990. Mm-hmm. Then I was in South Africa, and we, we were screwed to our televisions to see this gentleman whom a lot of us, myself, you know, you know, I had never seen him, you know, uh, in person, but of course I had seen him in pictures, you know, because some of his books were not banned in the but I had seen so, you know, 1990 was, you know, really, uh, what, what kind of history, history unfolding. And then, yes, I think uh, you are reminding me when you say that you arrived in September. I also started at Autobahn in September. So you, uh, you, you became my mentor, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. In other words, when I started, you arrived, you know, so, you know, you can consider yourself as my my mentor. Uh, yeah. uh, I was a training instructor. Maybe I'm already like going ahead of what you're gonna ask me, ask me. But I remember the one course that we did with you. Uh, you know, Hippocrates. I think they were Hippocrates, those guys. Yeah, yeah. That was that was Hippocrates was yeah. literally three days after I arrived. <laughs> you you and I were thrown together. Going, you all can figure this out. <laughs> yes, and then I, I I noticed that, like I said, you really became my mentor. Uh, you know, I worked with you, but you were training me. And then, you know, uh, I remember I came in because I would probably speak a bit of Sotho, because some of the guys, you know, were not very fluent in English, but basically. I was uh, translating, but at the same time, my learning curve was like going very, very steep. Uh, and then there were a few things that stood in my favor. Like I said, I worked a little bit in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So the first group that we worked together, uh, you know, I I was a little bit, you know, aware of the dynamics between, you know, the white folks and the, you know, African or black guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, yeah, you know, I was able to, you know, to assist in terms of language, but to also learn myself as a trainee. Uh, you know, that's what benefited me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the other thing was, uh, I think your role. You know, some of us, a lot of us who were in that uh, round double where we started our course, that you know, were a bit aware of the dynamics in South Africa, but you were the one person who who was completely neutral, you know, and then, uh, you know, you could not put people in a box or something, you know, uh, that this guy is black, he must be treated like this, this guy is white, must be. you were completely neutral. In other words, I think you are saying that it was three days after you, you arrived. And I think that was also as you might have looked at as a disadvantage 
but you know you were the right person to instruct in that course because uh -huh. you, you had no you know what can I say uh, you know uh, background or whatever uh, influences that would have you know made you treat people differently like like you would have done yourself. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. I I mean, I had I had uh, my own experiences in the U.S. where. I realized, you know, I grew up in a in a in a country and I grew up in a small town, town of 25,000 in Iowa in the Midwest and realizing that, you know, there is an embedded embedded racism and a in a passive racism stance and across a lot of the US historically. So it was a it was a healing thing for me to all of a sudden be going across the world and facilitating that interracial partnership on the other side of the world. And for me, working with you and Tabalane was a way that it was uh, it was symbolized our our partnership. I mean, we were we were only going to be successful in that course if we did if we collaborated in a way that was, you know, because you that course was bilingual. Um, everything I said you translated into Swasutu um, because half the guys didn't understand English. And uh, and you knew all the local, you, you knew the ropes, you knew you knew the climbing routes, you knew all the stuff, you know, unique to Outward Bound in that system. I didn't. I just knew, you know, eight years of instruction in a whole another side of the world. So we were like, we were like dependent on each other, leaning <laughs> on each other, trying to put our heads together <laughs> to, to okay. pull it off. Okay. <laughs> yes. So yeah, you were no. you were my mentor as much as I was your mentor. <laughs> okay, uh, no, uh, definitely I'm 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 grateful to hear that, Mike, uh, because I I noticed that in as much as I knew the, the the surroundings, you know, the setup, but you were coming with the you know the background of uh, of facilitation. Now the other thing I also noticed was that. Having the two of us in front of those two guys who, who consisted of white guys and and black guys. And now there's two guys who are also similar to them, in that mm -hmm. one is white and another one is black. In other words, we were modeling in a, in, without much you know speech or anything. We are modeling to them how they can collaborate. Yeah. So I think that was our, our advantage. Mm -hmm. And then for them as well. You know, some of the there are some things that you you shared with me, which I you had never shared. Like you said, one guy, one white guy said, "Hey, if uh, uh, I mean his wife would uh, know that he slept with a black guy in a tent, they would probably divorce. I mean, she would divorce him. That thing, I think that guy shared with you because he was comfortable to share it with you. In other words." We provided that uh, platform that if some of the guys wanted to share things which were very close to their hearts and they didn't want to share, you know, the rest of the, the, the team, they could yeah. take, talk to one of us. So in other words, we provided, yeah. you know, the right platform for people to share, the, right. the right platform for people to work together. So in as much as we were, you know, coming to our own, you know, maybe handicapped, but, you know, we were the right team, I can say. Yeah. 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 You you probably heard things from the black men that I didn't hear, and I heard some things from the white men. 
that Easy. I had forgotten yeah. that they just told me that. And it was like that that was symbolic of the social pressures that that, that white man's like, yeah, if, if my wife hears that I slept in the same dorm room or 10 as a black man, she's going to divorce me. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a pretty intense pressure to uh, be for him to be sorting out. But of course, I also want to point out that the two white men were the foremen. They were the managers in that system and the black men were the workers. So that replicated some of the 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 hierarchy in a lot of systems there. And uh, the white men, I don't think they knew the degree to which they were in charge. They were control. They were in control. And the other guys had to conform to their their world, Um, you know, but they they. Um, it was wonderful to watch them uh, discover how interdependent they were, how much, you know, to have those guys work the same shifts. But in my understanding, they really didn't eat meals together. You know, they, they certainly, of course, never slept in the same dorm rooms together at work and stuff. So all this separation and then all of a sudden they're thrown together for a week, um, cl- blaying each other up rock climbs and uh, jumping off the platforms together into the zip line and the dark and all that metaphorically um, going up in the highlands camping with us. Um, I forgot how unusual a step that was for them to just break through those barriers. And even in the first 10 minutes of the course, uh, remember they were, they were using walking across the swamps on the logs and things where they had to sort of hold each other's hands Literally, um, yeah, it was like an immediate, you're off the bus, you're going to do stuff you've never done before with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that definitely, I think you are putting it you know, very much into perspective. You know? And I think the fact that they were in another country as well, I think that was the advantage of out of bound I was saying that my, these people having uh, come together at out of bound, having left South Africa, at least having crossed the border. So at least uh, I think it should have allayed their fears a little bit. And then coming together at out of bound, uh, obviously some of them, like you say, the white guys were up in the hierarchy and then the, the, the black guys were lower. But, you know, I think that uh, transition from South Africa to Lesotho definitely should have paved the way for them to realize, hey, you know what, we probably don't know these guys that we are you know, leading. And here we are together with them. And okay, that, that's an opportunity that to start learning, learning about them, and then them learning about you know, their, their leaders. So in a way, uh, you know, it was a breakthrough. In, in a way that some of us don't really realize it, but I think that's what the, the, the out-of-bound setup was mainly you yeah. know, to to, to, to uh, new beginnings for them to start afresh, you know. Our two daughters, um, when they when we all visited the Outward Bound Base Camp, um, they had such a kick watching, laughing nonstop, <laughs> two, two of us walking around together because we were walking in sync with each other. <laughs> I, I, but then to capture it, to capture that moment. Yeah, I mean, right. Was, it's like I was really, I was really impressed with it. You know? Every time <laughs> they took a picture of us, our feet were uh, in sync. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. It says a lot, you know. It says a lot yeah. about the two of us. <laughs> it does. There's a okay. 
There's a deep connection, which I appreciate. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah. What, where were we? We were talking about Hippo Corys, the first group we worked with. Uh, that was yeah. such powerful, powerful. You know, one of the things I remember is I th- was that a course where we went around the villages locally and we slept up in the caves above. Yeah, uh, I think, I, I think um, Daria, Daria, I think Daria did join us on the on the on the expedition. Is that correct? Yeah, the she was from Italy. She was volunteering at the school. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it, but uh, yeah, because those photos, I think those photos where we were in the village. I think we're from those guys. I think we we could have left out of the center, walked out, and got picked up on the way back. I, I, I think uh, I mean, it seems to have worked that way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I want to I want to remind the listeners that they can go to my Facebook page, and there's an album, the public album of the Lesotho back in 1990. A bunch of pictures when we were working together 30 years ago. And there's also a picture, set of pictures from our reunion um, when we got to stay at your house, visit with your mom and your wife and your niece. And then we got to tour the school with your daughter, um, yeah. Caroline. Um, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. was uh, awesome to see you after 30 um, years. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, I don't so know what, now if. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Just what what else do you want to share about that course or about the, our time working there together or how whatever you see, how you've seen South Africa continue to change or struggle through the decades? Okay, all right. Yes, Mike, uh, this is just something like uh, I would like to, to share. You know, in that period, uh, 1987 to 90, which is where I spent in South Africa, mm-hmm. and then and then the nineties, the beginning of the nineties, where I started work at Outerbound. Um, you know the the influence of the you know the white folks was still big then. Yeah. Uh, and then, but in as much as it was big, there were there were there were signs of change. In other words. Uh, the work I did on the mine had never been done by you know, a black person. They were starting to allow, you know, uh, the other population groups to, you know, to to assume roles of responsibility. Yeah. And yeah. And what, um, and what were you doing in the mine, in Tabling? Okay, I I started. Uh, there's a there, there was a program they called it Lena official program. In other words, you come in, you come in on the mine, and then you learn, you learn the. In other words, you spend some time at work, you spend some time at uh, at college. You know, it was like that, and then its um, its final, you know, destination was for one to become uh, a mining person. In other words, you'd, you know, you can get a diploma, and then after a diploma, you can even get. A, you know, a degree in mining, you know, mining engineering. Uh, so that was the, the route that what I was supposed to follow. But for me, after they introduced us to to one department, which is was responsible for ventilation, in other words, the conditions underground, 
I settled in that in that department. In other words, it was checking the temperatures, the amount of air, and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Instead of the, the whole way of you know learning all the jobs and ending up as one of the supervisors in the mining industry, mm-hmm. I I ended up in that uh, uh, you know in that environmental. They call it environmental. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then with the challenges that we were having, I didn't really stay long on the mine. I didn't stay long on the mine, and then. Uh, obviously, the opportunity at Auto Bond availed itself. What, what, what uh, was the what was the challenges you were having? Was that around race stuff for you? True. Yeah, uh, Mike. Maybe if I can tell you the reality, uh, we were not sharing the same bathrooms with, with yeah. the white guys. So that was a challenge in itself. Yeah, mind you, like I was saying, that they were starting to introduce uh, the black guys to you know some of this more special jobs or skin jobs yeah. but bathrooms we are not sharing yeah. and then you, you can understand i was going underground mm-hmm. going underground you know you cannot avoid sharing a, a cage a cage going underground yeah but there was still some you know favoritism in other words you would find that they 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 examine the the, the, the shaft or the cage and immediately after examining it they may allow people to go in to get get out, but there were still preferences there. You know, in other words, you yep. find that a guy who was white skinned would make his way better into a cage than. So I was having, I had challenges. You know, yeah, of the that, yeah. <laughs> there were a it lot was, of challenges. It wasn't equal. Who got to go under the cages? Who got to go down the shaft? When? Yeah, yeah. Separate you know, bathrooms. It, yeah. It, was, it was. It was still. I remember when I started joined that department. You know, I think growing up in Lesotho also gave me the opportunity to, you know, not look at skin color as something which is, which gives one like an opportunity. Yeah. So I went into one bathroom and I was later told, hey, by my supervisor that, you know what, that bathroom is for the black officials. You know, it was like becoming subtle now. They were no longer saying, no, this is bathroom for the blacks, but they were saying, no, it's bathroom for the black yeah. officials. So when I joined Adobound, I was I, I've had I just got the, that experience of in the mining environment. Yeah, and I would say for those who are who aren't understanding, Lesotho is an independent country in the middle of South Africa. That's m- mostly are all black country, and there's not it's off apartheid soil, so it was not in the apartheid process of South Africa. So you were you grew up in that environment off apartheid soil, and then you went into South African mines and had to experience that. You are very correct, Mike. Let me just add that the school that I went to, I went to a school called King High School. That school was run by you know, the brothers, brothers of Sacred Heart, and then mm-hmm. most of the most of them came to the U- from the U.S. And they were white guys. Ah. So you can you can understand they were. Ah. People who were like, you know, uh, taking care of us, you know, they were not treating us like, you know, second, you know, uh, um, maybe citizens. Yeah. They were treating us as children, normal children, you know. Yes. And then having been brought up by or my interaction with the, the white folks being like that, then I was, then I got stuck into South Africa. 
Then I, <laughs> yeah. I came, you know, I came in touch with South Africa. Uh-huh. And then let me also like relate one example that I had of uh, how I started, you know, having a picture of South Africa. In 1979, when I was um, finishing high school, we traveled from Lesotho to Swaziland. And, you know, just being in South Africa was very tense. You know, getting through the border was a challenge in itself. But I remember one situation where we got to a shop and then imagine these are like a basutu, black basutu kids. They come into a shop, we fill a shop, and then the shopkeeper, you know, he was white, you know, shop yeah. and I was white. And he was saying to us, hey guys, don't just fill up my 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 shop, you know, buy, you know. It, it was like, what? You know, I'm not used to that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. those are some of the experiences I got, you know, having grown up uh, out of uh, uh, South Africa. Yeah, and then eventually, eventually, I got first-hand experience, you know, working on the mines. Mm-hmm. But that experience, uh, maybe as challenging as it was, I think it prepared me for other bound. Because in yeah. other bound, once again, I got to an environment where people were being treated as people, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is why I think uh, some of the friendships I, I made in other bound. Uh, you know, are from guys all over the world, you know. Yeah. You know, having moved to South Africa, I met people from New Zealand, Australia, US, England, mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then they're, they're the color of the skin didn't really matter. Yeah. And then just one guy whom I met, uh, I met one guy from, uh, I forget, but he's, he's a commissioner of uh, Gunnison. I can't remember where he was from. Colorado. I think he kept talking about Colorado. Uh-huh. That guy, his name was John Messner. This guy we met in South Africa. You know, he traveled with me like you. You visited uh, me in Balcom. He traveled with me with another Cosa guy. They they visited me in Lesotho. Yeah. And then it's true. Me and John don't really talk often, but you know, he's he's a friend on my on my Facebook. And then look at. Uh, you know, his genuineness, you know, he, he didn't just see this Mosutu guy who he met in South Africa, but he wanted to see where I came from. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and when he came back to South Africa, he said, guys, I really would encourage you to visit some of these you know, uh, black guys that are in the, our staff members. Mm-hmm. And my friendship, my friendship with John, you know, has been made strong by that, by that visit. Or he yeah. visited my, my home. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and um, one other thing I think you wanted me to touch on, uh, I think was, what is my observation with regard to, you know, the situation in South Africa? Mm. Okay, the 80s, the 80s, you know, were still times when, you know, the the influence, the power was still with the white uh, guys, Mm -hmm. although it was starting to shift. Now, at the moment, I can say that the pendulum has gone the other side. Uh-huh. While uh, you know, you know, it's true that the country was liberated, the, the, the black guys came into power. But I think we have probably seen or heard that you know the the black guys became arrogant, and then I could even say that they, they to the extent that they practiced. Uh, apartheid in reverse. Ne? 
Ah. And then I'm sure you have heard about the challenges we had, you know, from 2009 until I think 2017. So what we notice as citizens now is that in as much as uh, we had, um, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, the white guys, you know, maybe being too powerful and then yep. uh, exercising, you know, bad influence on the, mm-hmm. on the black guys. I think now the pendulum is on the other side. Uh, there are some guys who, uh, you know, assumed, you know, political role and then become powerful, wealth, wealthy. And now, you know, they are very arrogant and it's just the, the opposite. But, okay, that has, that has been like from the years 2009 to say 2017. And well, with the new administration of that of Ramaphos, I think things are starting to become normal again. In other words, people are starting to be treated, you know, uh, on the what? Uh, on the content of their character and what they've, you know, yeah. achieved in life and stuff like that. So we we are we are probably going to become a normal society again after you know uh, you know I can say what black nationalism that you know you know uh-huh. influence influence people in the past years. So there's more there's more balance there's more uh, humbleness. It's accountability. It feels to me like. It feels to me like politically, um, blacks came into power, but still economically, white people in South Africa still have a lot of land ownership and it's a lot of economic privilege. I don't know if that's what your perspective is or not. So, Okay, that didn't change overnight. But what happened was that the guys who came into power, they 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 tried to facilitate that, in other words, tried to assume uh, economic, uh, you know, uh, uh, power, but they did this by, you know, stealing from the state. I think I've read two books, uh, the one from the Free State and the one is from Pumalang. The guys who came into power, you know, really wanted to uh, rip, or I can even say rape the state. You know, they were, you know, getting a lot of resources, stealing from the state and so forth. Mm. So. In other words, trying to balance that that power, you know, that economic power. So it became really bad. But uh, I think I will I will tell you the names of these books that I'm reading. Uh, Gangster State is one of them, and the other one was uh, Predator uh, Politicians. And there's another one I'm also reading, BBS uh, Scandal. I'm sure you heard about it. <laughs> so there was a lot of things that went wrong. But uh-huh. I think. I think we are on the road to normality. Yeah, it will not ha- it will not happen like this year. But I think the pre- current president is is somebody who's very yes. democratic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And well, it seems yeah. like I think one of the things that um, has been, you know, held up. I heard a, I heard somebody in the U.S. say. Because there's people to talk about reparations um, for blacks in the U.S. Um, George Floyd's death. There's a lot of stuff that's you know protests of Black Lives Matter movements in the last year, and it's like the truth and reconciliation process in South Africa was held up as a powerful mechanism to help um, move honor and 
honor and hold up the oppression that was there. It seems to I don't know if you still feel that regard for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that was that uh, was there. Or do you feel like that's still a model that helps? Okay. Yeah, no, definitely it did work, Mike, uh, in that at least the truth came into the open. Yeah. There were probably there were probably no reparations because a lot of people still complain that hey, we were victimized, but you know, we never got compensated for it. Yeah. For our the perpetrators never see so justice. But I think it was a starting point. The truth, yeah. The truth and reconciliation commission. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's another commission going on. We call it call it um, state capture, state capture commission. This is the one I think that is going to really redress, uh, you know, what happened in the past ten years or maybe uh, twelve years. They call it the uh, state capture commission. It's, it's mm. run by uh, uh, Raymond Zondo. Is the guy who's running. So it's another it's another truth telling process yes but it's economically you know uh, focused like i was saying that Economic. a lot of the guys who were in power stole from the state there yeah. was a there was an indian family here which was you know uh, it was called the gupta family they were they were you know ripping the state using uh, the former president and you know and his also accolades so we are we are we are trying to straighten things uh, you know in that respect yeah yeah, Mike, I, I, I saw my my thing saying hundred megabytes. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm afraid that we might be talking and the thing cut cut off. Uh, yeah. So okay. Be aware of that. <laughs> All right. I just I just want to warn you because you chose. Okay, sir. Signal gets cut off. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the things I'm I'm honored to have this conversation with you, and uh, hear more about how you see South Africa today. And, um, you know, several times our session was was interrupted to get to reconnect with each other's families. <laughs> it's nice, <laughs> to see nice to see your niece and your your wife and, uh, yeah. you know, for you to see Lydia. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just love staying connected and being connected to you. And I look forward to more of that. I look forward to getting back over there to see you again sometime. Um, perhaps having you here too, or some of your oh, family. Yeah. That would oh, be oh, yeah, uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to share? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mike. I think we have really, you know, threshed a number of things. But I must say, um, for us to connect like we are doing now, for you to come over here and then. We go to Autobahn together, you stayed my place, stayed my cousins. I think it was another level to which we took our friendship, and I'm I'm really yeah. appreciative of that. Yeah. So it, 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 yeah, it meant a lot that I got to come to your house and meet your family and stay there. Really appreciate that and to be able to have Lydia with me. Yeah. Yeah. And this this also is another, you know step in the in the right direction and mm-hmm. i think one of your questions i hope this thing doesn't cut off you were saying who what was my relationship with some white folks that i met uh, i mentioned that john messner guy yeah there's another there's another guy whom i'm working with now we have known each other from 1999 and i'm still working with him so you know this thing of white black 
it's personalities. You, you meet two people come come uh, across each other, and then the friendship they they connect, and then the color of their skin doesn't really matter. You know, the guy's name is uh, uh, Rian Marais. Uh, he's an African guy, but you know we are working together uh, since 1999. It has been on and off, but I'm saying since uh, 2018 we have been together. And then he's white and he's Africana, and I'm I'm, I'm Sutu. But our connection is like, you know, I can mention several others. There's another guy in New Zealand, Marcus Driver. I met him also when I was working for a, a company called Team Building Institute. But we are friends and, you know, it's, there's no, nothing, color doesn't really matter. He's in New Zealand, I'm here, we remember each other's birthdays and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, people can connect as people and you know, the color of their skin doesn't really matter. Uh -huh. that's what i've that's what i've noticed but yeah 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 well and for me for me it's like i want to i want to pay honor honor the color difference too and the different world that you've had to grown up in from the world that i've had to grow up in or you know and just have our friendship transcend that too um yeah so the sort of the the being conscious of it seeing seeing how it plays out honoring it and also just connecting at the human level um but it's also like i mean i've got precious friendships uh across race and different different dimensions in my life um and i i appreciate that too but uh, ours feels really special to me and um uh you know you're the one that actually i think found me on facebook in 2010 um, around the time that the World Cup came to the South Africa, I believe. So I, I appreciate you finding me. Thank you so much, Intabloin, for connecting and for the conversation today. Um, it looks like uh, your our our internet connection went off. So um, blessings and thanks to you, and um, look forward to a future conversation. Thank you for listening to the Insider Outsider podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WFTP and FTP Global specialize in getting insiders to understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders as well as outsiders in building inclusive teams and organizations. Our work takes us around the globe, transforming people and companies towards a more inclusive world. For the show notes about this podcast and more about the work of WMFDP and FTP Global, visit wmfdp.com slash podcast.